0: Six verse twenty-four on into chapter uh, seven, and this is found on page three hundred and twelve in the book, uh, the Bible that you'll find in your the pew. It's the blue one, or in the chair. Page three twelve, Second Kings six twenty-four. <clears throat> Afterward, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. You know, donkey was an unclean animal on top of things. And a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five shekels of silver. Now, as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord will not help you, how shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Sarcasm. The king asked her, What is your trouble? She answered, This woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And on the next day, I said to her, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard the words of the woman, he tore his clothes. Now he was passing by on the wall and the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth beneath on his body. And he said, may God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, uh, remains on his shoulders today. Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him now the king had dispatched a man from his presence but before the messenger arrived elisha said to the elders do you see how this murderer has sent to take off my head look when the messenger comes shut the door and hold the door fast against him is not the sound of his master's feet behind him and while he was still speaking with him the messenger came down to him and said this trouble is from the lord why should i wait for the lord any longer But Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Then the captain, on whose hand the king leaned, said to the man of God, If the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But he said, You shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let's go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. (laughs) Pretty good logic, right? Right. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army. So that they said to one another, behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, we're not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we're silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, we came to the camp of the Syrians and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there. Nothing but the horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents as they were. Then the gatekeepers called out and it was told within the king's household. And the king rose in the night and said to his servants, I'll tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we're hungry. Therefore, they've gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the open country, thinking when they come out of the city, we shall take them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants said, Let some men take five of the remaining horses, seeing that those who are left here will fare like the whole multitude of Israel who have already perished. Let us send and see. So they took two horsemen and the king sent them after the army of the Syrians saying, go and see. So they went after them as far as the Jordan. And behold, all the way was littered with garments and equipment that the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a sea of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now the king had appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate, and the people trampled him in the gate so that he died as the man of God had said when the king came down to him. But when the man of God had said to the king, two seers of barley shall be sold for a shekel and a sea of fine flour for a shekel. About this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria, the captain had answered the man of God. If the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he had said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him for the people trampled him in the gate and he died. Thus, the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Lord, bless us that we will understand by your word, word, that we will grow by this word, that we will be encouraged and strengthened by this good word that you have given us. Oh, Lord, bless us by your, your mighty Holy Spirit, we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. So, first of all, God welcomes outcasts and nobodies. God welcomes outcasts and nobodies. The situation is desperate and isn't it sickening to even read what was going on? You don't even want to hear about the details. But this specific horror had been a part of God's warning. You can read it in Deuteronomy 28. This is what will happen to you if you commit to idolatry. And so we have... The four lepers, they're like holding out their options, death, death, or death. Maybe we'll be spared here. Why not? Why not give it a shot? And so they take off and pay a visit to the Sumerians. It's really interesting in the language that in verse five, it says at twilight, they rose. And in verse seven, it says at twilight, the Syrians rose. They rose to come to the camp. They rose to flee. So God is engaging in a a holy comedy right here. Four lepers attack, and at the same time, the Syrians flee. That's the way you see it from the outside. It's really amazing, an ironic uh, uh, moment. And the picture is that these... Syrians are routed by four lepers. And there's a further comedy with a pun that goes on here. They were spooked, right? And they thought it was the sound of an army and thought it was the Egyptians. Well, Egyptians reads in the Hebrew, Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim. But as it turned out, it was only lepers, Mitzrayim, (laughs) all right? Kind of like you said, they thought it was a lion, but it was only Ryan, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) So, that's the pun that's used just to describe, they thought it was uh, Mitzrayim, mitzrayim, it was actually Mitzorahim. And as they enjoy the take out there in the field, they realize they've got to report it. And that word report or tell is used in verse 9, then they report it or tell it, and then the gatekeepers report it and tell it. So, this announcement goes on. And here's the great irony. Lepers that are banned from the city announce this abundance to the city. Banned from the city, they are the means by which the city hears of the abundant provision. They rescue a city that they cannot enter. (laughs) That's how God does this. As one scholar reads, lepers feast while those in high places are trampled. And then you have on top of that this unnamed servant who encourages the king to discover the good news, probably believed it himself and makes this strategic suggestion. Lepers and an unnamed servant. And that's what God uses to save And so Jesus in the New Testament in Matthew 8 announces that helpless and outcast Gentiles will come from east and west to feast at God's table of salvation. While the privileged but unbelieving royal sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. Brothers and sisters, we're nobodies in this world. Uh, Maybe a book will be written by one of you. (laughs) Probably not, I'm sorry. Probably not. Nobody but family will visit our grave until they all die off. We are the obscure in this world. And some of us may feel like we rate higher in (laughs) obscurity than others. doesn't matter. No matter our standing in this world, and especially, I want to say, no matter how long, how sickening our sin has been. No matter how utterly selfish and harmful it has been. No matter how deceptive and hypocritical we are welcomed To this feast of forgiveness, we are welcome to this feast in which there will be full favor with God and progressive transformation of our lives. And then not only that, but we sinful nobodies will become instruments in the hands of God by which he brings rescue and provision to a lost and starving world. Because he uses unnamed servants and lepers to do this work. So God welcomes outcasts and nobodies. He also proclaims good news. The lepers speak of the good news that they must bring and tell. Tell it three times uh, when they come. Uh, it's mentioned three times that they tell it. This is the very same word used in the announcement of the redemption of Messiah. A familiar text to many from Isaiah 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Same term. And Jesus himself quoted Isaiah 61 when he was standing in his own hometown of Nazareth. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind. And so this announcement of good news previews the final glorious announcement of the good news of Christ himself. And isn't it interesting that salvation arose outside the walls of the city? from those who were outcasts from the city. And so this as well is a preview of what to come because salvation arose not within the walls of Jerusalem but from outside the walls of Jerusalem. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 13 reminds us that the bodies of sacrificed animals were burned outside the camp as part of the judgment that's thwarted, that's moved away from the people upon the animal. And he says, and so Jesus suffered outside the gate. As a criminal, as refuse, as someone to be burned, an outcast, cursed of God, that's where salvation comes from outside the walls from one who is outcast. It's so unlikely that lepers would bring good news. But in the good news of Christ, there's something even more unlikely that a man condemned as a criminal to the unbearable, helpless death of crucifixion overturns In that act and his resurrection, all the powers of evil in the world. This helpless man on a cross is the Lord. And by that act of humility... He is upsetting the absolute reign of evil on the earth. As he says on the eve of his own crucifixion, now is judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. See what he's saying by my crucifixion, I will draw, as it turns out, hundreds of millions of people to myself through the weakness of this cross, through which they will see the glory of God and the ruler of this world will not be able to stop me. The ruler of this world is cast out and I lifted up will draw all people to myself people from every tribe and tongue and nation. And so in Colossians 2, it says of his cross and resurrection that he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. And you may know that the picture here is of the Roman generals leading in uh, chains those that they had defeated. This is Christ leading in chains because his salvation will go forth and it will not be stopped. And so even we participate in this. We walk with our Lord and, uh, and renewed by his spirit. He can say to us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And it's a war language. He, you, will, you will rout the, the uh, devil. He'll be routed from the field of battle. And then the promise of final, absolute, permanent victory in the last day. When Paul says in Romans 16, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So God announces the good news It comes from outside the city, from lepers and outcasts. And this glorious good news of freedom and victory and final glory comes from one who was outside the gate. And finally, God pronounces judgment on those who do not believe. Therefore, believe. (laughs) Believe and treasure the 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 precious good news the official this captain is given this word of judgment he is excluded from the promise of salvation and abundant life by his unbelief he wouldn't believe in the goodness and greatness of God and so he was shut out we Must believe what God has promised. We must believe the goodness, the forgiveness that he offers to us in Christ Jesus. We must not allow anything to interfere with that in the end. We must believe his promise no matter how unlikely it seems. And here's our version of this. Could he really save someone like me? Could he really forgive me and all the evil I've done? Could he really begin to reconstruct my life? Could he really take me and use me for good in this world? And I understand, because I've said every one of those and a hundred more, but those doubts, that, encroaching temptation of unbelief by his grace he will grant you faith to refuse that a terrible thing to stand in that last day in judgment because you excluded yourself saying he couldn't be that good he couldn't be that kind he couldn't forgive me Oh, yes, he could. Oh, yes, he will. Oh, that's what he has done in Christ Jesus. That you might have your sins removed and you be, in tr- and be transformed. And then as believers, there are different versions of this, right? You must not think of your past of being enslaved to sin for many years that has crippled you, that it has so crippled you that you cannot in his grace walk in new obedience progressive changing obedience or to think that the deep wounds you have suffered from others have so crippled you that you cannot be more and more free from sin because he says his promise stands against your fears and weaknesses and my fears and weaknesses. And he says in second Corinthians three, we all beholding the glory of the Lord with an unveiled face are being changed. Yes, it is happening. It is a reality in Christ. We are being changed into his likeness to become more and more like God as it's been manifested in the incredible love and sacrifice of Christ. And then here's a word that we don't like We don't readily associate with ourselves. We're being transformed from one glory to another. Glory. Yes. Broken, helpless. Sinners that have done things that we don't even want to speak of. And yet we are taking on the glory of God by his grace. This is from the Lord, he says, the mighty spirit. And so I encourage you, happily, gleefully embrace the precious promises of the gospel. They promise a great abundance. The the official could not get his head around the possibility that there would be riches beyond his imagination. But Paul summarizes his preaching in in Ephesians 3.8. He says, I'm the least of saints, but this grace was given to me. Here again, you see, it's like saying, I'm one of those lepers. I'm one of those outcasts. I'm the least of all the saints. But this grace was given to me, this kindness, this favor, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Don't turn them away. Don't say it couldn't be. Don't say that those riches are not there and offered to you freely and gladly from God. And, Brother Philip, you bring the riches of God's good news to us who are the impoverished. You bring the food of the gospel to us, the starving. You bring the streams of the gospel to us that are a parched desert. You bring to us the good news of deliverance from our own sin and from all our enemies in that final day. You bring to us good news of the kingdom of God, the here and now fruit bearing rule of God in our individual lives, in our fellowship that stretches out on every side to bring light and life to a dark and dead world. That's what you bring to us, brother. You bring good news of the final riches of resurrection, of being transformed from these lowly, sick, weak, dying bodies into bodies just like Christ's glorious and powerful body and you bring good news of the final riches of a new creation where we will live and work and govern in perfect and joyous communion with one another and in perfect unity and collaboration in all we do forever and ever. Amen. And so Elijah followed by the lepers preached unimaginable provisions. But, oh, brother, you preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, enable us to embrace all that you have given to us in Christ Jesus. Lord, may our faith stretch. May it open wide to receive. May it be glad and. And amazed and overjoyed at the treasures offered. Lord, take away from us unbelief. We pray that even our own sin, our own failures, our own mistreatment of others or theirs of us will not blind us, Lord, to the free riches and provision that are offered to us in Christ Jesus That he will indeed take all of our sins away so that there will be no condemnation in Christ. That he will take us into his household and make us his very children who will be heirs with Jesus. That he will raise us from the dead. That he will use us in this world. That he will bring us to the new creation. Oh Lord, grant faith to us to continue to believe, to continue to rest in this mighty, glorious Savior who, beyond all imagination, brings such riches as the one who was outcast outside the walls. Oh, Lord, bless your great and holy name. Amen.